Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Graham Curry, and Graham lives in Perth, Australia, but he is originally from New Zealand. He works for a farming association that does agricultural research in Western Australia. So did I get that right, Graham? Yeah, you did, Jen. How are you going? Well, good. I'm so glad to have you. And Thank welcome you. to Intermittent Fasting Stories. So as you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting? Sure. Well, I guess it was a series of events, really, Jen. Um, basically, going into late 2017, my weight was getting right up there. I was sort of peaking at around 153 kilos or 337 pounds in your lingo. So I was pretty heavy. And I'd just gone through a massive Christmas in Sydney with my wife's family who are 
all foodies and tremendous cooks and so you do as you do when you uh, have a family like that, you indulge. And I basically got to the stage over that week where I really felt like I was literally going to blow up. I was almost just felt like it was right up to the top of my head full. So then when I was coming home on January the 1st, 2018 on the plane, I squeezed my frame into the economy seat on the plane. I thought, this has got to stop. You know, it's no good. And I could hardly do up my seatbelt. Well, I, I couldn't do up my seatbelt, to be truthful. And um, I thought, no, it's got to stop. And I said to my wife, I really want to get my health back, get my weight down. I said, I've had enough of it, you know. And she literally was on board from the go-get. And she said, well, you know, we've just got to work out where our problem is and, and go from there. And I sort of knew that I was a sugar addict. And um, that's the first go-to, I think, when anybody that's obese sort of thinks about it, you know, why am I obese? So I went about cutting out sugar pretty much straight away from then. And um, I started researching what sugar was in food and all the rest of it. And I really laid off all the usual stuff I was eating, like biscuits and you name it. And Anyway, weight started falling off me and a couple of months went by and I was going pretty good. And then I just happened to be flicking around the Facebook one day coming into March 2018 and searching weight loss or something. And then all of a sudden this intermittent fasting and OMAD came up. And I thought, what on earth is OMAD? I'd never heard of it. You know, I had no idea what it even meant. So I put it into Google and sure enough, came up one meal a day lifestyle. And I started reading it and I was fascinated by it. And I eventually came to your site and I thought, oh, I'm going to join this, you know, and luckily I was accepted. And I started reading all the stories and I was going, wow, this is fantastic. I couldn't believe it, you know, the results people were getting and pictures they were posting and everything else. And then I had a real good think about the fasting side of things. And I thought, well, you know, I sort of got the, I was detoxing at the time of all the sugar and all the horrible stuff I'd been eating and I felt pretty good. So I sort of was in a position to have a crack at something like that because I wanted something that was sustainable. And to me, it made perfect sense. And what I loved about intermittent fasting when I first started reading about it was that it seemed so simple to implement. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. So that's basically what brought me to intermittent fasting in the first place. Well, I love that story. That That's a great story. And the fact that I think a lot of us had those moments like you did, you know, on the plane feeling so full moment, <laughs> you know, mine yeah. was on a cruise and I was, it was the same way. I felt full. I love how you describe it. You just felt full all the way up to the top. Yeah. I, I know did. exactly what you mean. It was a real epiphany moment and, you know, and flying was always the bane of my life because I was so big and, you know, I felt sorry for my poor wife being crushed next to me and I looked at her and she was the absolute love of my life and I thought, you know, I want to spend a very long time with this lady and I need to get my health in order. You know, I don't want to keel over on her or something like that. So that was another driving factor. But the intermittent fasting itself, when I first started, I went pretty hard at the ball. I went straight into the 23 and 1 off the go-get. And I stuck to that pretty religiously every day. So my normal sort of MO was I'd fast till roughly around 5 p.m. in the afternoon. Then I'd have a snack, always pretty much the same, cheese, crackers, tomato, chorizo, uh, salami, that sort of thing. And then a bit later on, I'd, I'd have something to eat and then 
close my window and then wash, rinse, repeat, do the same thing next day. And I really started noticing not only the weight falling off me, but other things were happening too, which we talk about as NSVs or, you know, non-scale victories or, and then in a couple of months or three months into it, I really started noticing the healing effects of intermittent fasting, which is one of the things I've really found mind-blowing. And that being, I used to have quite bad psoriasis on my knuckles and my knees, elbows, etc. And I'd seen specialists over the years and they said, mate, you're never going to get rid of it. You're going to have this for the rest of your life. It's just part and parcel of what you are and who you are. And it's nothing to do with your diet because I'd asked them that question, you know, is it diet related? And after about three months of intermittent fasting, that psoriasis started clearing up. Wow. By the six-month mark, it's completely gone. And my skin is amazing now. And anybody that knows me, they always say to me when they see to me, you don't have that psoriasis on your hands anymore and that, you know, scabby look on your knuckles. And I say, yeah, I know. This is what's happened. And, you know, I, I don't know the scientific reasons behind it, but it definitely was intermittent fasting was the only thing that I tried over the last 20 years that got rid of it. Now, that is absolutely amazing because I think the important takeaway is your doctors said, no, it's not anything related to your diet and you're just going to have it forever. And sorry, just what you you have. And it went away. It did. And then I sort of started seeing other things too, Jen. I mean, I had a, I know it's pretty gross to talk about probably, but I had a bad toenail for a long time. And um, probably years, really, and I'd tried all sorts of things. I'd gone to, you know, foot specialists and they'd put laser treatment on it and I'd taken all sorts of potions and nothing seemed to be moving it. And I noticed that that started clearing up as well. And then I thought, wow, there's really something in this clean fasting and, you know, fasting and getting all the stuff out of my body is really helping me heal. I think so. Our bodies, when we fast clean and give it a a break from all the work, you know, digesting food, you know, all the hours of the day, our bodies can tackle things like the psoriasis and like the the toenail. That's the beauty of the clean fast. Well, it was that. And, you know, and then other things started stacking up. Dental, for instance, you know, because I was so abusive with food for so many years and eating all the wrong things and, you know, going back a bit, I I had a very bad relationship with food. I was a fast food addict. I just constantly eat all day. And, you know, there was a reason I was as big as I was. You know, one of the things people say, you are what you eat. In my case, that was 100% correct. And I had no one else to blame but myself for that. You know, part of it could have been, you know, maybe I was unhappy at the time. I don't know. But you know, when I look back, I just think oh, I just had a massive appetite, which I couldn't control. And one of the things I really loved about intermittent fasting is that it really corrected that appetite. So I got to the stage where I could only really eat till I was sort of full and that was it. Even if I wanted to eat more, I couldn't. So that was pretty special. And the dental, I used to get quite bad gingivitis. So when I'd brush my teeth, I used to get some bleeding. And after about three or four months of doing IF 23 and 1, that stopped completely. I never, ever get that now. And my gums are 
nowhere near as inflamed. My teeth look in better shape. I haven't been back to the dentist since I started, so it'll be interesting when I do. But yeah, it's just my whole dental yeah, side of things has seemed to have improved. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what your dentist says about that. Like, are you going to tell him about intermittent fasting when you go back? Yeah, I will. And, you know, it's funny, actually, when you talk about medical people and doctors, I have a GP that I go to where after a while I went and had bloods done to see how the effects of intermittent fasting were going. And she was absolutely blown away. She couldn't believe it. And, you know, she took my blood pressure and did all my bloods and I went back in for the results. And she said, these blood tests are incredible for a man of your age, your blood pressure, everything was spot on. My cholesterol was great. And she asked me what I was doing and I told her and she wrote the name down of your book, actually. Then the next time I went in there, she told me that she'd got some of the ladies in the clinic onto it who were carrying too much weight. And so every time I went to see her after that, she wasn't really interested why I was there. She was more interested about how the intermittent fasting was going. (laughs) That's thrilling. I love that so much. And the fact that your blood work was incredible, that's just amazing. And the fact that she was so interested in in how it happened. And I love, love, love doctors and dentists and all medical professionals who are open-minded to learning more about intermittent fasting. Yeah, they are. And another example of that is my wife. She suffered a DVT last August on a flight from Dubai, and she got very ill with multiple blood clots, and we nearly lost her. And anyway, she was in the hospital at the time, and we we, we were there for a while, and the doctor was talking to us over a few days, and somehow we got onto the subject of weight, and I'd been telling her you know, what I'd been doing, and and she was so interested, this lady, and, and she was she needed to lose a bit herself, and she admitted that. And then she came back a couple of times and kept asking me about it. And my wife was there, and my wife's sort of sitting there going, hey, what about me? And on the, follow- <laughs> on the follow-up visit a few months later, this was over a period of about six months, and she would say to me, you look fantastic. You know, you've lost so much weight, and, you know, how do, how do you do this? And and my wife, again, was like at the quarter, just going, you know, this lady's only interested in, in your intermittent fasting. And she told me that she went to a conference in France and she was telling all these people in France about this guy who was lost all this weight, was doing this intermittent fasting. And, and she said a lot of them, had people had said, yeah, well, we actually do this ourselves. I love that. Yeah, a lot of doctors do. Once they learn about intermittent fasting and look into the research and they see that, oh, this really is not just a fad. This is, you know, science-based and more and more exciting research, you know, related to longevity and aging well, other health markers, improving, that sort of thing. Those doctors are like, well, gosh, sign me up. And then they they start it themselves. Then they start recommending it. And that is really the tidal wave, I think, that we see happening now. I really believe that we are poised to see intermittent fasting take over the world. Oh, I 100% agree with you. In fact, I was having lunch at a friend's birthday today and there was a guy sitting there and him and his wife said, you look amazing, you know, how, how did you lose all this weight? And I said, well, you know, I started off by doing the regulation, dropping the sugar, and then I, I found intermittent fasting. And, and straight away, he said to me, oh, what, what's your window? Love it. I said to him, did you do it yourself? He said, yeah, I did. He said, I used to do a 20 and four and 
And then he said, I, I got down to my goal weight and, I, you know, I was getting down too low, so I, I only do it now just for the health benefits, you know. And But, yeah, I'm finding more and more people are interested. And the funny thing, Jin, when I lost a lot of weight, I'd got close to losing 100 pounds in a year about November last year. And I had a lot of friends that were getting stuck into me and saying, you know, you're getting too skinny because – you know, you're, you're looking gaunt, you're looking this, and, you know, you look like you got cancer and all the rest of it. And not long after that conversation with them, two of those guys actually rang me and said, hey, listen, you actually look really great and um, we want to try and lose some weight. Can you tell us how we go about doing what you're doing? And then they started doing it and then some other friends of mine that needed to lose a fair bit of weight they were sort of following it a bit and asking me questions and now they're both doing it as a couple and going really well. So, yeah, it's amazing the number of people that I know personally have jumped on board. Yeah, they've seen your results and they want to do it too. The last few things you said have flooded me in two different directions that I want to go in. First, I want to address what you said about them saying you were too skinny and you they were worried about you. Yeah. And I want to talk about that for a minute because – a lot of us have that happen when we have been overweight, obese. I was obese and then lost the weight. And I can remember after I lost about 70 pounds, I'm now down over 80. But after I lost about 70 pounds, I was smaller than I had been in years. Not the smallest I'd been in my adult life, but the smallest I'd been in years. And my husband said to me, don't lose any more weight. You're getting too skinny. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And and the thing is, is I've gone on to lose more since then, and I'm not too skinny. I'm in a healthy BMI range. I'm not even at the low end of the healthy BMI range. And he has now since adjusted to the new smaller me, if that makes sense. It, but it can shock people who are used to seeing you in a larger body, and then they're like, oh, something must be wrong. This doesn't look good. But eventually, they catch up with the new you, and then they realize that you're not too thin. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that's the thing. They're used to me, like I was a larger than life guy. I mean, I'm six foot five, Jen. I'm, I'm a big guy, you know. And when I was at weight, I was a massive guy. So I was pretty imposing. And I was always known as the life of the party and the, the party boy. And I used to go pretty hard at the ball at times. And, and these guys were used to me doing that. So when I stopped doing that and I lost all this weight, they were sort of felt like their friend that they knew was slipping away from them a bit. And I think that's more their concern because one day I was having a drink with these guys and they said, oh, we're going to have an intervention about your weight loss. And I said, right. I said, hang on a minute. And I got a guy to take a photo of myself and these three guys. And then I showed them the photo and I said, we're all around the same age. Who do you think looks the healthiest in this photo? And it was me. And these guys all looked at each other and said, yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. So even though it was a shock to them, you know, that you, you were different than you had been before, when they analyzed it, they were like, oh, he does look healthy. He looks healthier. Oh, yeah. I also think that we're used to seeing, you know, people are bigger now. And so when we see someone who's on the smaller end of, I guess, society now, it's surprising, right? A leaner weight is more unusual, which is a yeah. shame. And hopefully we can reverse that. 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. It's terrible in America. We have a terrible obesity epidemic. What's it like in Australia? It's very similar to America, isn't it? Yeah, look, I've been to America a couple of times. And to be honest with you, I was really shocked. I started off in Las Vegas. I was there for a week. And I was probably the only place I've ever been, even when I was very heavy. I went there for my 50th birthday in 2013. And I, I couldn't get over the number of very obese people. And That's no disrespect, it's just what I observed. And here in Australia, it's really starting to be quite bad as well. Okay, so it it is worse than America then. I wasn't sure. I would say it's more noticeable because your population is obviously a lot bigger. But And what I did notice was when we drove across Route 66 through Arizona, through some small towns, that it seemed like very high proportion of the population in those towns were were carrying a lot of weight. And one of the I don't know how whether the bigger servings and the restaurants and that make a difference there, but I know we were getting these ginormous servings like, you know, like a milkshake that was probably three times what we were used to in size and the plates were just massive. And the plate sizes, I think you may have touched on that at some stage about how, you know, your grandmother's plates or whatever in the day. Right. The day were small. And so people ate less in smaller serves. So, but I did notice in America the the serves were massive. But, yeah, it is a problem here in Australia. And because we're getting more fast food here and more fast food chains are opening, it's definitely becoming a major problem. Yeah, I think that's right when you say that you, you noticed it even more in the small towns. Here in America, we do find that obesity is quite linked 
to socioeconomic status. And in the small towns where the communities are not as affluent, the weight is higher. There's there's more of an obesity epidemic, you know, in the lower income populations because here in America, I don't know if this is the same in Australia, but cheap food is the processed food, the fast food. You can go and get a huge fast food meal for a lot cheaper than, you know, going to the grocery store and buying vegetables and making, you know, a fresh meal. Oh, definitely. And that's, you know, I mean, you can go and get a fast food place and get a $10 meal and, you know, and have something to eat. And, you know, when I was in America, I discovered the uh, In-N-Out burger chain. And Oh, yeah. I could have just about lived off their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They are amazing and um, probably the best burgers I've ever eaten in my life. And so I could understand why people would give them a bit of a nudge, that's for sure. But, yeah, I think it's it does equate to that. But, I mean, good food can be cheap too, so you just have to find it really. Yeah, it's, it takes a lot more effort. And so the it's just so easy to, to drive through and go off of the dollar menu and, you know, the processed yeah. foods that are so cheap in the grocery stores are just those foods that are the very worst things that, that yeah, aren't look, giving us nutrition. I agree with you. And, well, I was a fast food addict and there's no two ways about it. I spent a lot Me too. of drive-throughs, gin, and yeah. I used to eat in my car a lot. And I had such a massive appetite that I'd have breakfast and an hour later I'd be driving to work. I'd take about an hour to drive to work and I'd usually call in and grab a toasted sandwich and a coffee on the way. And that was a bit of a ritual for me. So, yeah, fast food, it was almost like I'd be driving and the car would drive itself in there. But once I initially weaned myself off the McDonald's and the Burger Kings and everything else, I haven't been near one for 14 months now. I haven't had any fast food at all and that's really helped me and I know some people do that in their windows and that's great I mean what works for one doesn't always work for the other and I just try to steer away from it because it always reminds me of what put me in in the place where I was so obese I tend to steer clear of it and the other thing is that I've found through intermittent fasting that I've become a complete food snob oh yeah I can't stand the smell of it anymore, Jen. I just, I just can't drive past it, and it almost makes me dry reach. I just can't handle the smell of it. See, that's the same for me. And it took me a, a while before I, I got away from the fast food. Here's the true story. I used to, you know, I would drive to work as a teacher, and you know, my boys were in a different school by this point. I was driving alone to work, and this is when I was still obese, and. There were some mornings, I'm going to admit this, and it sounds horrible. I had like a 20-minute drive to work. There were some mornings when I would drive through one fast food restaurant and get breakfast and eat that in the car. And then before I got to work, I would also drive through Starbucks and get one of those giant sweetened lattes. So I drove through two places <laughs> on a 20 minute commute. And, you know, then I would, I would like throw away the, the fast food bags. No one would see me walking in with evidence that I'd been to two different places on the way to work. I would leave early. So I had time to go through, you know, looking back, that seems crazy, but that's what I did. And I continued when I started intermittent fasting, I didn't change what I was eating for quite a while, but I'm like you now, I don't want to eat that food. And and I didn't stop eating it because I suddenly, you know, felt like I shouldn't. My tastes changed. I, I really don't want to eat like that again. I want to eat foods that are different now. 
yeah, I, I'm the same. And I sort of look at that food and I see pictures that people post of, of what they eat. And I don't judge anybody. It's not my deal, not my monkeys, what people eat. You know, it's whatever works for them. And if they want to eat that, great. But for me personally, I just can't eat it. And it's a mental thing as well because it just drags me back to where I was. And I know right. that's the very food that got me where so obese in the first place. So either for me, it was either stay well away from it or, and I find now because I only eat in a window, I tend to want to eat really well. And I tend to go for cleaner food. And yeah, I just, I don't like the taste of the fast food. Yeah, you wouldn't even like it. You wouldn't even want to start eating it again if you could. So you don't have to force yourself not to. You just don't want to. Well, no, that's right. And, you know, and I find that, you know, I'm lucky I I like a lot of stuff that's actually quite good for you. Like I love seafood. So I eat a fair bit of fish and, you know, lobster and that sort of stuff. And we grow our own salad here. We live on an acreage property. So we're able to grow, you know, our own vegetables and things like that. My wife is an amazing cook. She is just wonderful. And and I have to say, you know, that has been huge through this journey on the intermittent fasting. My wife has also been on the same page and she's lost 20 kilos herself. Wow. Yeah, she's done really well. She looks amazing. You know, even when she was ill, she got better and within six months she was completely healed and she has no signs of the blood clots in her lungs. They're completely gone and her energy levels are getting back to what she was and she's back horse riding. Yeah, she's doing really well. That's amazing. And so I wondered about that because I know that you talked about how you were inspired to start. And I wondered if your wife needed to lose any weight herself. And so what's her window look like? What does she do? Same as you? Yeah, pretty much. At the moment, she's doing the uh, 23 and 1. She's done a couple of extended fasts as well. So she's done a couple of the 36 hours. I've only ever done, I think I did one 36 hour fast, only because I was curious and I read about it. And and then I did it. And yeah, I mean, I didn't do it because I wanted to lose weight. I just wanted to see what it felt like and, and how right. how my body would cope. And I actually did it fairly easily. And But for me, again, I don't feel like I need to do that. I just need to get one really good clean fast in the day where I'm in clean. And by that, just water, black coffee, um, exactly what you lay out and delay, don't deny. And not deviate from that. The only thing I probably do that some people wouldn't do is I brush my teeth because I can't handle not brushing my teeth. Oh, I brush my teeth too. And I fully support people brushing their teeth, even when fasting. I mean, yeah, you know, there are going to be things in there. There might be a sweetener or two in your toothpaste, but you're brushing so briefly. It's so quick. You know, even if there is a a small insulin release, it's not the same. I want people to understand this. You know, I do talk in Delay, Don't Deny about how just swishing a sweetener in your mouth can cause your body to release insulin. There are studies that show that. And so we don't want to have that happen. We want to keep our insulin low. But brushing your teeth so short versus let's say you're having a a artificially sweetened soda and you're drinking that, that is not short. You know, for me, when I used to drink, you know, sodas during the day before intermittent fasting, I would have one, like, you know, going back to my my fast food days when I would go through those two drive throughs on the way to work, I would get a large soda on some of those days and I would nurse that soda like all day long. 
So yeah. it was not brief. I was constantly having a sip, a sip, a sip, a sip. So I definitely encourage you to brush your teeth and don't even give that another thought just because it's so short. I wouldn't brush my teeth every five minutes, <laughs> but no. yeah. Oh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, in 12 months, I lost 100 pounds and I brush my teeth every right. month. And so that says something, doesn't it? The NSVs, they were really stacking up. One of the things we really enjoyed was clothes shopping again. When I was a big guy, I only ever went to like the big and tall guy store, you know, and I remember once going into an Armani suit shop in Sydney and this young guy was there and he was almost sniggering at me and he basically said to me, oh, I'm really sorry, mate, you, this store's not for you. You know, you, we haven't got anything in here that's going to fit you. Uh. It feels so bad. And I wanted to go back in there so bad after I lost 100 pounds and do the Julia Roberts moment, you know. Big- oh, uh, that is yeah. that was in my head. I love it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so I actually did go back in there and he wasn't there, unfortunately, but um, – I can now go in any menswear store and one of the big NSVs for me was I was usually wearing like sometimes four, five XL shirts and, you know, and off to scale stuff. And I went in the store and I, I grabbed a two XL shirt and the young guy said to me, no, no, he took it off me. And I thought, oh, here we go. And he said, you are only an XL or maybe even a large at the biggest. He said, that shirt there is going to hang off you. And I thought, no, mate, there's no chance. Anyway, so I went in and tried this this XL shirt on and it fitted me beautifully. And I stood in front of the mirror and I was just going, crikey, there's no way. How on earth have I got to the stage where I'm wearing an XL shirt? I haven't worn an XL shirt since I was like 14 or something. I remember buying a shirt and then coming out of the shop and just beaming and shaking my head. And my wife wife was across the way in a lady's shop and she came out and she said, what happened? And I told her and we just gave each other a huge hug in the middle of the shopping centre and it was a real, a real light bulb moment that I'd finally on the right path and I could do things like that, which I know it's not a huge thing to a lot of people, but to me that was massive. That was a real turning point. I think it is massive for any of us that have ever struggled with our weight and struggled with finding clothes and had to buy the bigger clothes. It is a huge thing to be able to buy something that isn't huge. You know, I remember I wore a lot of stretchy things, a lot of stretchy clothes. (laughs) And here in America with our sizing, I was wearing a 16WW for women, I think, or something. It's like the plus size clothing. And it's sized more generously than a regular 16. So really, it's bigger than that. It's just, you know, that vanity sizing is real. Even when you're wearing a 16W, you know, that feels better than wearing a 20, right? It was amazing to get down and realize, you know, you're not having to shop in that plus size section anymore. And anybody who's ever had to do it, and then you're in the regular section and you're picking up, you know, single digit clothes, size eight, size six, size four, size two, size zero, and they fit. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I was uh, going down jean sizes pretty rapidly and I, I was wearing at my heaviest probably a 127 centimetre jean and I started going down 122, 117, 112, 107, 102 and then I went into the large men's store one day and a lady said, uh, you're just about out of here, mate, because we don't cater for people that in this store that, you know, under a certain size because you're too small now. Your waist is too small. 
And the funny thing about that day was I put on these jeans and this lady said, oh, you look great in those. And she went and got the guy that owned a store and he comes out. There was a U line of jeans that they had in this big and tall guy store. And and this guy says to me, oh, are you interested in helping us with our catalogue? Well, I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, to take some photos of you in these clothes and come in here. And I said, are you kidding? And I remember all my family and friends just thought that was the funniest thing of all time that, you know, I'd been asked to model for this big and tall men's shop at age 55, you know. I love that so much yeah. because you're still tall. Yeah. You know, you may not be big, but you're still tall and probably, you know, you've got big man frame even though you're lean, right? Probably, you know, you see those tall, big American basketball player type guys are solid, you know. And I guess now when I was really big and I was 153 kilos, that wasn't the heaviest. I was the heaviest in 215 and about 165, something like that. And I used to really freak people out on the street. I'd walk around a corner and they'd literally shake because I was so big. And it's pretty hard to, you know, get out of people's way when you're that size. But, you know, it's just the freedom that intermittent fasting has given me and it's been life-changing. It's like I really enjoy now. I have to add, when I lost most of that 100 pounds, I virtually did no exercise at all, Jen. I very rarely exercised. The only real work I did was on our acreage property here. We run a few horses and my wife rides and so I was fencing or putting in hay or doing stuff like that, but I never actually did any aerobic type exercise. And then my theory was I needed to get the weight off and then start exercising because when you're really heavy and I was carrying that extra 100 pounds, I didn't want to run, I didn't want to walk, I didn't want to go to the gym because it was too much of a drag and I just couldn't do it and I never had the motivation and I'd give up. But losing the weight through intermittent fasting has given me such a freedom. Uh, I had a Forrest Gump moment, actually. I was I was walking one day and I just felt so great. It was like the scene in Forrest Gump, you know, when the calipers break off his legs and he starts running. Oh, yeah, yeah. It happened to me. I started running and I thought, I can run. And I kept running and kept running. And before I knew it, I'd run a good kilometre. And I'd, I probably haven't run a kilometre in my adult life for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And it, it was such an emotional moment for me. I thought, I can actually run. And, you know, when people ask you about intermittent fasting, they normally want to know how much weight you lost and how fast and all the rest of it and what do you eat. But there's so much more to it. There's a lot of emotional moments. There's a lot of mental anguish. And even today, there's voices of self-doubt that, you know, it'll sit on your shoulder and say, you know, you want to go back to your own ways, you know, go into that burger shop. You know, they just nag away at you. And you've really got to learn to control that. And I think now I've pretty well got that under control and I'm in control. This episode? is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, 
As an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Now I have a question for you. Sure. Have you taken any days off where you did eat all day long and like, you know, three meals or holidays, vacations, anything like that. Have you done that at all? Yeah, I have. Like my theory is like, you know, reading your book about, you know, Saturday is not a special occasion and I agree with that. But, you know, there's been friends, birthdays. When I lost all the weight and I got down to where I pretty much wanted to be around now, right currently now I'm about 103 kilos. So for me being 6'5", that's a pretty good weight. And, um, I just look healthy now, and if I lost another 10 kilos, I'd probably start getting in that scrawny look, and I don't really want to do that. I just want to be look healthy. I want to look normal. So, yes, I have. I've had days. I had a conference last week, actually, that I ran over in Ballarat, Victoria, and there was one day there where I had breakfast, lunch, dinner. There was another day where I had lunch, dinner, and then I fasted three or four days while I was there, and I hadn't weighed myself for five days. Well, that's another thing about weighing. I know yourself personally aren't a fan of the scales and you'd rather go by how your clothes feel and all that, And as a lot of people do on the site. But for me personally, the scales, they almost became a ritual for me and they still are. I weigh every day at 6 o'clock or whatever I wake, you know, normal ablutions, and I, I weigh and... I record that weight every day. And for me personally, that's my accountability. That's It keeps me honest. It keeps me on track. And that's how I feel about it. And I don't feel the scales controlling. Like I don't freak out whether I've gone up a kilo or down half a kilo. I just want to know where I am because I feel, Jin, if I had had scales earlier in my life that could actually recorded my weight, I may never have got to as big as I was because back in the day 20 years ago before the advent of digital scales, we never had scales in our house that could actually record my weight because I was too heavy. Ah. I would stand on the bathroom scales and I'd just read error. And okay. I, I had no idea what I weighed. To be honest with you, I probably went 15 years where I didn't know what I weighed. So well, I do want to clarify that I'm not anti-weighing at all if it if you can use it the way that you are. I actually weighed for the first year of maintenance. I weighed all the way through when I was losing the weight because I used it as a tool. Yeah. You know, to know if I needed to make a tweak, what was working for me, and yeah, you know, that's when I started noticing the association between the quality of the food that I ate and how quickly I lost. You know, as at the end when I was getting close to my goal, I really tweaked what I was eating and found that the higher the quality of the food, the faster my body released the weight. So 
I am not anti-using the scale as a tool at all. Mm. And I think that it can be a very important part of the journey. And it can help you know when what you're doing is working and when it isn't. It's just something you shouldn't let upset you. And it sounds like you're using it in a perfect way to keep you on track and not letting it you know, make you obsessed with the fluctuations, which is really the wrong thing to do. The reason I asked you that question about have you taken the days off is because you mentioned that you had that fear inside of you that you might go back to your old ways. But whenever I take time off, like I'm getting ready to go on a cruise in a week, and when, when I'm on the cruise, I have longer windows, I eat a lot more food. I think that those times are important because we get that overfull feeling again, and we start to feel sluggish. And then it reminds us why we never will go back to the old way. Did you start to feel that way at all after the days of eating more when you were at your conference? Oh, for sure. I mean, when you do eat like that and you feel so full, you just you feel, yeah, this is a feeling I don't really want. Right. I like the feeling where I fast, I, I eat in the window, I shut the window, and I fast again. My body loves it. I love it. And I know a couple of times when I have done that on special occasions because, you know, even Christmas Day, you know, I'm not going to sit there and, and, right. and not fast. I'm going to eat like everyone else. But I'm more picky probably than I usually would be. And I go to a party now and I always find at parties, people don't notice that you're not eating if you've got a drink in your hand of some type. Like I, I don't drink a lot of beer now. I, I never really drunk beer every day, but I used to, I was a social drinker, so I'd have a few beers with mates and that. But I tend to just drink like soda water now, or one of the drinks, alcoholic drinks I switched to was vodka and soda. And I found that was a great replacement for beer, and it's a lot better. My body doesn't respond well to beer, I just stack on weight. So that's one thing I tried to avoid. But, yeah, I agree with you, and I'll give you an example of that, how the mental health really plays a big part in intermittent fasting. After a few months, I went to a tapas bar with my wife, and we were having a lovely night, and my wife said, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting some dessert, and I almost froze with fear. And I said, dessert? And I said, okay, we'll get the dessert. Anyway, we got the dessert, and I ate it, and I actually became very emotional. and In fact, I, I nearly broke down over it and I sat there and my wife's going, what is wrong with you? And I said, look, I'm just so disappointed with myself that after doing this, you know, that I'm sitting here having a dessert. But now I've learned, you know, your mantra, feast without fear. Right. I don't even give that a second thought anymore. I just, you know, get on with it. And I've got to the stage, Jen, too, regarding the scales. When I go to bed at night, Almost 95%, I can tell whether my weight's going to be up or down. I just I just know, and I can just feel it. You're real in tune with your body now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, your body changes so much. And, I mean, and for my wife, it's like, you know, she says to me, it's like being with another man. She said, you, you know, you're just so different. And, you know, I, it's not till I catch sight of myself in the mirror or I'm walking down the street and I get a reflection of myself and I go, there's no way that's me. That's it's just not me. I'm just not used to that reflection. And and then you start thinking, wow, all this what I'm doing with this intermittent fasting, it's the only thing I've ever done in my life, Jin, and I find is one sustainable, two that works, three, 
I've been maintaining now within a range of about maybe one to two and a half kilos. And I find it very easy to maintain my weight with intermittent fasting. And I think I'm going to be a confirmed intermittent faster for the rest of my life in some capacity. I love that. And I, I love that story that you told because it's important. We have so many old things to rewrite in our brains. You know, the whole idea of that dessert sent you into an emotional kind of a tailspin because you were like feeling guilty because you shouldn't have had it. And you've now worked past that and worked through that. And you know that a dessert is not going to ruin everything. But in that whole diet mentality that we, we've we had for so long, we did get so tied up in you know, the rules and like, oh no, I've broken a rule. I've ruined it all. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, I read about people, you know, they say, oh, I feel so bad. You know, last night I went off the rails and I had a drink and I had dessert and I had this and, you know, and the thing is you've got to remember every day is a brand new day. Right. Get back on the horse and start your intermittent fasting, fast clean. I know sometimes on the weekends now I do enjoy a breakfast out sometimes with my wife, but You know, if my weight's up a kilo on the Monday, I know by the Wednesday, by clean fasting, I do find through this whole thing, intermittent fasting is a lot easier for me Monday to Friday than it is on the weekends because there's so much going on on the weekends. Whereas when I'm at work, I'm not phased by it because I only work in an office with a couple of people. So I'm not around people that eat all the time. And those people in my office, they've been pretty supportive too. Like they just say, you know, we're, we're so impressed at how you've taken your health back and your work productivity has gone up through the roof. My boss said to me a couple of months ago, he said, you're probably churning out three times the amount of work than what you were after you've lost all this weight. And he said, your mental sharpness is very, very noticeable. And the other, I guess not weird thing, but I found my vision was improving That's crazy, isn't it? We hear that all the time. And it sounds like if if you were making a list of like, these are the things that that happen, your vision will get better. People would be like, that is nonsense. And you're just making stuff up now. (laughs) But but we hear it all the time. Well, they probably think you're a nutcase or something, you know? Right. You know, it's true. Like, you know, I always felt like I had this, when I was really obese, like I had almost a fog in front of me. And now it's like crystal clear and it's like really great. But there's so many NSVs. I mean, traveling, we talked about just last week when I went to Ballarat, I got onto the plane and I was always really fearful of being on a plane, uh, sitting next to people I don't know and being so big. And I mean, nobody wants to sit next to the biggest guy on the plane, let's face it. And I'd walk down the aisle and people would be looking at me with terror, please don't sit next to me. And it was really horrible. And the other day, I, I strutted down that plane. I, I owned it. And I sat down in a chair next to a guy who was, funny enough, a lot bigger than I was. I fitted in so comfortably, and it just felt amazing. And that's probably one of the biggest NSVs for me is just fitting in and being normal again. You know, I get it because when you're overweight to the degree that, that I was and that you were, we, we feel like as we move through the day that it defines us. I remember I had a sofa and it was a terribly made sofa. It was a sectional and it was awful and it started falling apart after we had it. And I remembered like the place where I always sat like was, was like broken. 
And I was like, you know, I can't call the company because they'll just say, oh, it's broken there because you're so fat. And I was like, no, I think it's just wasn't made well, right? But I didn't want to say anything because I was like taking the blame. Like they're just going to say it was me. Yeah. Because you you have that guilt and that shame and that fear of being judged, you know, when you were walking down that airplane aisle or sitting by somebody or when my sofa breaks, you know, now if my sofa breaks, clearly it's just because it's a, you know, poorly made sofa, right? But we carry so much of our weight in our self-worth, I guess. Oh, we do. And like, I remember going to restaurants now when I was really obese and I would sometimes go to that restaurant and find out what the chairs were like at that restaurant because I was always worried about breaking chairs. So I was so heavy and it was I didn't want to be embarrassed by doing that. So I tend to usually stick to restaurants when I was obese uh, on the, the quality of their chairs, if you like. I know that sounds really stupid, but that was one of my greatest fears. And now I, I just simply don't care. I just walk in and I know I'm right. But, you know, it's funny how your mental state can really take over when you're obese. And, yeah, I found that really life-changing People who are overweight and struggle and obese have that those same thoughts. I've heard that from people. Like they don't want to go to certain restaurants because they won't fit in the booth or going to the movie theater. And I think that it really starts to affect our quality of life and where we will go and what we will do. Yeah. Because of our size. I think I think that's something that that resonates actually with a whole lot of people. Yeah, it does. And I mean, people don't talk about it, you know, men's health and everything else. And, you know, that's been fantastic. And let's not skip around it. I mean, yeah, I've always had a pretty good libido, but it's absolutely brilliant now. And and I know your wife is happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Well, she's either happy or she's uh, running for the hills, one of the two. But uh, yeah, look, she's, she's been my rock and I can't stress that enough to, you know, if you can get your partner on the same page with IF and and be doing it together, it's really great. That's true. And we do hear from people who have spouses that don't understand intermittent fasting and may give them a hard time about starting. And I know with my husband at first, he was like, you know, I'd, I'd tried all these crazy diet schemes over the years and he just ignored it like he did all the others, right? And how's this going to affect me? Is there going to be food for me? You know, is it going to be food I will eat? Because when I would try something crazy, I would make crazy meals for everybody. You know, now we're all eating low carb, you know, whatever. But eventually, a lot of people whose spouses might initially be uncomfortable with it do come around. The best part of your story is your wife was supportive from the beginning. But some people don't have that. Some people have a spouse that's not. Yeah. And she's some people, you know, sit there and they'll eat things in front of you and they'll try to shove things in, in front of you and say, eat this, you know, just have one, it won't hurt and all the rest of it. And they know that you're fasting and they're not very supportive. And, you know, but my wife has been amazing and like she 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 cooks such beautiful fresh meals from our garden and you know, so that's really helped me and, you know, and I couldn't have done it without her and we have a pretty special bond and I think it's really strengthened through this last year again. I love that. I want to circle back to something that we talked about early on when you were talking about how you your friends were saying you were too skinny, but yet you still, you know, shared it with them and then eventually... Some of them have joined in. In fact, a good number of your friends have joined in. So I want to talk about that because a lot of people are afraid to share, even though 
you know, I wrote a blog post at the the beginning of 2019 that intermittent fasting is now mainstream. And I have several points that I made about how we know that's true. You know, the advent of, you know, intermittent fasting products that people want to sell you now and people want to sell you intermittent fasting plans and all that, that kind of thing. We It's starting to, you know, to get marketed here and there and it's everywhere. It's all over the news. So intermittent fasting really is mainstream, but yet people do still get pushback from other people like, oh, that's, you know, an eating disorder. Oh, of course you're losing weight. You're starving yourself. And have you gotten any pushback like that from people? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've had quite a lot of that, you know, it's not nutritious. Uh, My two daughters, I've got two girls that are 19 and 17. And when they said, what do you mean you're only eating once a day? Dad? You know, that's so bad for you. You know, you're not getting your nutrition and you're not doing this and you're not doing that. And now when they see me, they just go, dad, you look amazing. And you know, that's the other thing. When I was going through their school years as an obese parent, I dodged so many things at parents' sports carnivals, all sorts of things because my obesity letting me participate like other parents, like parent running races, parent swimming races. I would avoid them like the plague. And my girls sort of missed out a bit through that. And just last week, I went to my daughter's uh, year 12 ball here, which is a big thing in Australia. It's their, their last year at high school where they have a big ball. And my daughter said to me, Dad, you look amazing, you know, and 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 she was so proud of the fact that, you know, I'd, I'd got to where I was and, you know, when I look at the pictures of her and I together and, you know, I, I look healthy and, you know, and I look back at pictures of myself when I was obese. And that's a big thing too is I'd really encourage people to take lots of photos along the way. Right. That gives you a great comparison and it really encourages you. And I post a few pictures, as you know, and, I, I like to do that because I, I want people to know that there's hope and if they hang in there and it's not a something that's going to happen in five minutes and one of the things I, I say is it took me 40 years to get as obese as I was so I wasn't going to undo that in, in you know, five minutes. It was going to take time but I yeah. lost a lot of weight in a year but, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I love that that you're sharing this with your daughters as well, because at, at their ages, you know, we do, we do want people to wait till they're finished growing and developing. You know, we don't want young teens who are still growing to do intermittent fasting, but as they start to, you know, move into their adult bodies, this is a tool that they can also use so that they don't have to face the same struggles that we have. You know, both of my sons use intermittent fasting and one is 19 and the other is 20. Although by the time this this episode comes out, the 20-year-old will be 21. So, right. <laughs> But they both use intermittent fasting. And so it, it's like a gift that we've given them. Yeah, it's my daughter. I've, I've weaned my youngest one off uh, having frozen Cokes when I told her they had 27 teaspoons of sugar in them. And uh, so she stopped there, yeah. which is really great. And they're sort of thinking about their health a bit more. But Every time they see me now, they say, Dad, you look really great. And, you know, and, you know, you just, if you don't, if you stop sort of where you are now, you you don't need to lose a lot more. And they're quite encouraging now. Whereas before, they were like, you know, what are you doing, Dad? You know, you, this is silly and, you know, you're not getting your nutrition. Yeah. Educating people is the key and, and not feeling ashamed of it and not feeling like you're doing something wrong, but like confidently sharing with people. And then eventually they'll realize, how healthy you are. Now, we are almost out of time, so I've got to wrap it up here. Yep. In about 60 seconds or so, if you were giving somebody advice who was just starting out with intermittent fasting, what would you tell them? 
go and buy Jen Stevens' book, Delay, Don't Deny. Oh, well, thank you. Get that. <laughs> That's the first thing. The second thing I would do is don't panic if it's not working fast. Hang in there. Fast clean, and I mean by clean fasting, exactly like Jen says, you know, drink the water, the black coffee, um, you know, just stick to that. Get that real good clean fasting and the results will come in time. And what you've got to think about is draw a picture of what life's like without all this weight I'm carrying and write your goals down and what am I going to do when I lose this weight and it really helps. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You know, we talked earlier about your eyesight getting better, and then that's just one of those claims that people wouldn't believe. But we're so used to diets, quote, diets that say drop 30 pounds in your first month or something. And intermittent fasting is not that. We're not going to say that you're going to drop 30 pounds in your first month. You might gain two pounds in your first month because your body's sorting things out. But this is really your long-term solution if you can be patient and wait, and also tweak, you know, as you go, you may need to tweak things here and there. But, you know, intermittent fasting is not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And you have the rest of your life to tweak it to suit your goals and what works for you. Oh, for sure. It's not something you're going to stop doing. Yeah, it isn't. And one of the things that I do want to come out of all this is I said to my wife, if I can prove to myself, I can maintain my weight, I really want to share, I really want to help people. I want to go to maybe obesity clinics and talk to people and say, listen, there's hope, you know, try to help them. Um, I I have been recording my thoughts. So, you know, maybe one day there'll be a book in me. I don't know. Well, I would love that. I would love that. And keep me posted. And on that note, I'm going to have to say goodbye. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Jen. And uh, I love your site. And I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.